time being 7 o'clock, I call to order the May 24th Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. Any individual who also wishes to record must notify the chair in accordance with Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 38, Section 20F. At the conclusion of our meeting, we will be adjourning to executive session and we will not be returning. My favorite part of the night, our pledge student, Brody, if you wouldn't mind coming up to the microphone. Oh. So Brody is here representing Oak Street School. Brody is a fifth grader. He is the son of Nick and Lindsay and the brother to older sister Riley, who is a sophomore at Franklin High School, and younger sister Bailey, who is in third grade. <laughs> Brody's teachers have selected him this evening because of how well he represents the school's acorns of achievement, caring, original, respect, never give up, and safe. Brody is a hard worker, a thoughtful contributor, and a good friend to other students at Oak Street School. He is respectful to teachers and students and always has a positive word for the people around him. Brody's favorite subjects in school are art and science. In his free time, he enjoys drawing, playing on his iPad, playing basketball with his younger sister and learning how to code. At school, he volunteers weekly, teaching kindergartners how to draw, and is currently spending his recess time painting a mural on a picnic table in the school courtyard that he designed. When he grows up, Brody wants to be involved in coding as well as helping to protect marine life. Brody, thank you so much for being here, and if you wouldn't mind, leaving all of us in pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so very much, Curly. I know that you said you wanted to go home and swim, so you're more than welcome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And now for our moment of silence. As I'm sure most of you are aware, there was a shooting incident this afternoon at Brock Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Our hearts are with the families and community as this tragic story continues to unfold. Thank you very much. Um, routine business. Review of agenda. Has everyone had a chance to review the agenda? Okay. Payment of bills. Those are all set. Payroll, Ms. Stokes. I reviewed payroll. It's in order. Okay. Next, we have our SHS student representative comments. This is their last meeting with us, and we nothing but the best. <laughs> okay, hello. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and senior at Franklin High and the treasurer of the class of 2022. Um, as you might know by this point, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so as far as our whole school update goes, um, AP exams are finally over, um, and now the rest of the school is moving into preparation for finals, um, and seniors are beginning their finals this week. Um, class officer elections are also happening this week, so each class will potentially have new officers or um, the student officers will be re-elected for the coming school year. 
Um, and for the performing arts section, we have um, Oski, which is happening tomorrow. Um, it's a senior comedy show that is put on by the Theater 3 class, and it also um, includes an award ceremony at the end where the Theater 3 class designed these awards um, in order to uh, commend some of our fellow students. Um, along with that, the marching band will be playing at the Memorial Day Parade, so check them out. Um, and Theater 2, the Theater 2 class is presenting a class play called The Chronicles of Jane, Book 7, on Thursday, June 9th, and it is free of admission. Um, and then FHSTC ends the year with a senior-directed one-act play called The Play That Goes Wrong, directed by Joseph Mikkel on June 10th and June 11th at 7 p.m. and 2 p.m. So hi everyone, my name is Yvonne Coyle, I'm the senior class president at Franklin High School, and just continuing on with some more school-wide updates. Uh, specifically in the sports field, the regular season is coming to an end for most of FHS's sports teams. Playoffs will start in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for those schedules. Uh, come out to support our teams, we'll be doing really great. And specifically a shout out to both our boys and girls lacrosse teams, as well as our baseball team. They all won the Akamak League, another title this year, Franklin, of course remaining that prestige we have for being such a great sports school, so great job to them. Uh, in the academics field, 11 students earned the seal of biliteracy for Massachusetts, which will be displayed on their diploma. Uh, that kind of depicts their proficiency in English as well as another language, so congratulations to them. It's not an easy task at all, and congratulations. And finally, for some more senior class-specific stuff, uh, as Kenzie touched upon, our last day of classes was yesterday, so we are officially Woo! done with class. celebration. There's still a lot to be celebrated for the senior class. We have senior week celebrations next week after Memorial Day. Specifically next Tuesday, the whole class will have a senior night boat cruise uh, in Boston for a dinner cruise. Then the following day, we will be going out to Kimball Farm out in Westford for a nice day of fun, ice cream and activities. And then on Thursday, uh, the day before graduation, we'll have a senior breakfast and another graduation rehearsal, followed by the big event on Friday, which is graduation, of course, held outside on the football field. So we encourage you all to come and support the senior class. And once more, uh, this is our last meeting, Mackenzie and mine, and we just want to give a thank you to everyone who gave us the opportunity to show up to meetings this year, uh, you know, inform the community about what's going on at the high school, uh, school committee for listening to us, showing out to events, showing their support, uh, Superintendent Dr. Ahern, um, Dr. Shear, so thank you to all of you guys, we really appreciate it, and that's it from us, thank you. swimming too tonight? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just find a dress for boat cruise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, last
Dr. Ahern, superintendent's report. Good luck following that. A um, couple of updates for the committee and the community this evening. Um, the first one uh, comes out of the Office of Teaching and Learning. Um, a couple of weeks ago in another report I shared with you how um, Dr. Tina Rogers had secured some grant funding to the Department of Education to support middle school science materials um, that was put together um, by some of our science, the recommendation was put together by our middle school science teachers. Um, and we've also had the fortune of having some funds uh, from, I guess, last year at this time uh, to support illustrative math uh, in the elementary schools. Um, Dr. Rogers has secured additional funding from the department, actually, I don't think it's from the department, from the One Eight Foundation, <coughs> the other is through the Department of Education, um, to support roughly 30,000 in grant funding uh, to implement uh, sub supplemental math materials um, including something called ST Math. Um, it includes building based professional development to support teachers throughout the year. Uh, ST Math is a standards aligned digital tool that teaches foundational concepts visually. Uh, it eliminates the barrier of language. Uh, all students can tackle unfamiliar math problems, recognize patterns, and develop conceptual understanding. Students receive instant visual feedback as they progress through their own personalized journey. And we've talked a lot about how we can better personalize learning for students and meet them where they are and bring them along. It can be used in a variety of ways in the classroom and pairs well with illustrative math. Uh, so that 1-8 Foundation grant uh, supports it at Permenter, Keller, and Oak. Um, but we have some additional funding um, through an acceleration mathematics instruction grant through the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education in the amount of $70,000. Um, it will support equitable learning for all K-5 students as a portion of this grant will fund ST Math at Jefferson and Kennedy. So it will go to all five schools. And the remaining balance will pay for a portion of next year's illustrative math renewal. Um, so thank you to Dr. Rogers for um, additional um, <coughs> work on her part to secure grant funding to support curricular needs. Um, other budget update uh, information, uh, the Senate Ways and Means Committee released their um, proposal on May 10th, so just two weeks ago. Um, it's similar in many ways to the House Ways and Means budget that was uh, talked about about a month ago, um, in that uh, it fully implements the second year of a six-year phase-in of the Student Opportunity Act. Um, chapter 70 uh, for minimum aid districts like Franklin is based on an additional $60 per pupil instead of the $30 per pupil originally in the Student Opportunities Act. Um, the statute uh, for the SOA does cap inflation at a formula of 4.5%. Um, MASS, which is the professional organization for superintendents as well as others, are advocating for an increase uh, and that the formula get based, uh, although I don't know that that will happen on an increased amount for inflation. Uh, the Senate um, Ways and Means budget also funds uh, special education circuit breaker higher than what the governor's budget had, although it falls a little short of the House proposal. Uh, charter tuition reimbursement to the town would increase, uh, and the assessment to the town also increases in this Senate budget. Um, the Senate proposal does not include funding universal school breakfast. Uh, that the House budget had proposed. Um, Senate, the Senate is debating the proposal and will finalize this month, and then the House and Senate budgets get reconciled uh, until the final state budget uh, is, is uh, published. So that's just an update of where we are um, in terms of uh, the, the state budget. 
think the good news is that it's a little earlier than we have often seen. Sometimes the Senate budget hasn't come out until July. Um, so in a recent report, I had shared with you that Mrs. McMurray had received a grant from the Fran Franklin Cultural District, um, which is also being supported by the elementary PCCs and music boosters. Uh, and Amaya Dance and Drum will be presenting an African dance and percussion group to all elementary schools in early June. Um, we are a partner with the Franklin Cultural District and also wish to share that there will be a community-based presentation of Amaya on June 11th at 1 p.m. I'm not 100% sure of the location. Um, I want to take a moment to highlight all of the amazing lifelong learning offerings that are coming up uh, in the summer. We've done a lot of regroup uh, emails and the early discount for those uh, programs um, that have a discount um, is May 31st. Um, but before I do that, um, it has come to my attention that the week of April 19th through 23rd is After School Professionals Appreciation Week. And uh, I've used this platform to talk about other um, appreciation weeks and recognitions we have for teachers and school nurses and school lunch heroes. And I uh, wanted to make sure that I give a shout out. Uh, I've been remiss to not point this out in recent years, uh, how much we acknowledge and appreciate the lifelong learning faculty and staff. Uh, they provide a wealth of enrichment opportunities and much needed before and after school care for our students. Um, they are aligned with our school and district efforts, uh, providing seamless continuation of educational care before and after the school day, as well as during vacation periods. We are so fortunate to have such a dedicated staff, and we ap appreciate especially the strong relationships that they make with students and families. So please join me uh, this week uh, in appreciating the staff of the Lifelong Learning Institute. Um, to highlight what's going on this summer in the Lifelong Learning Institute, um, families may be interested in the Preparing for College series uh, in terms of writing a college essay and Common App Boot Camp. There's uh, a wealth of arts opportunities, including photography, video production, um, plenty of science opportunities through the STEM Academy for uh, students who are inclined uh, to, to think about things like forensic science, zoology, um, there's also financial literacy for teens, which I know is something that comes up very, very often um, as desirable among families. Um, there's arts and crafts, and um, I could go on and on, uh, not to mention summer music program and music lessons. So encourage folks to check that out in the early, um, early sign-ups end on May 31st. And then uh, lastly, wanted to uh, fill the um, committee in and the community on um, administrative positions. We have been um, making our way through uh, and filling a number of positions and have made some announcements recently. And then I can tell you uh, a status update on some that are still open. Um, so we filled one, two, nine, um, although um, two are still pending um, formal announcements. Um, we have uh, a new athletic director um, with Kara Ellis. Um, Tom Poole has uh, resigned and will take uh, a new job as Food Services Director in Air Shirley, and Colin Boisvert will be returning to Franklin Public Schools. Um, Amy Harvey will be the new Assistant Principal at uh, Parmenter, as Tanya has departed um, and relocated her family. Uh, just recently announced, uh, Stephanie Wasik will be returning to the district as the Principal of Jefferson. Um, the interim positions uh, for Principal and Assistant Principal had been filled uh, a couple months ago. 
uh, the interim lifelong learning uh, director position um, has been made permanent with Patty Gay um, filling that role going forward. Um, we have uh, hired an art director, um, Adam Gooder. Uh, Superintendent Lucas Jagir has been named. And um, although I'm not prepared to uh, share the name just yet, we're still finalizing some details. We have a, a finalist for the assistant director of special education position um, in uh, the Office of Student Services. Um, so pending at this time, um, we have active searches going for two assistant principal positions at Keller. Um, we wish Jesse Craddock well as he takes on a principalship um, in Hanover and a new position in the FY23 budget. Um, Ms. Klimp, uh, who's here with us tonight, and Ms. Wazik are uh, collaborating on um, a search process for the assistant principal at uh, Jefferson. Um, I know Lucas um, has been planning for um, posting and filling the assistant superintendent vacancy uh, that his appointment leaves, and um, the um, director of curriculum uh, for ELA and social studies is a finalist in a few uh, searches in other districts, uh, but it would be too early to say that there's any vacancy there. Uh, but that is public information, so I thought I should put it uh, on the list. And um, we have um, the DEI director process is wrapping up. So those are the updates on the administrative positions at this time. Thank you, Dr. Hearn. Uh, any questions, comments from the committee? Camille? Dave? Yeah, um, uh, two, uh, I growing up. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, great. Um, you're talking about uh, a lot of the grant writing. Uh, some great work by uh, Dr. Rogers, also by Mrs. Mack. Do we kind of uh, typically track year over year how much funding we're able to get through the grant writing process? Yes, I'm sure we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, terrific. Would I be able to, at a later time, kind of request that just to be able to kind of see historically kind of where we're at and how much funding? All right, because that's, I know we kind of talked about this. I don't think it was all that long ago. We felt like forever during the budget season. And obviously, that's a fantastic, just additional source of revenue. Uh, so, Dr. Hearn, thank you so much just for constantly kind of highlighting any time that uh, teachers and faculty are able to, to utilize those outside uh, revenue sources. And uh, would you be able to provide us? Uh, I know a lot of members of the community have had received emails about updates following the uh, Sharon uh, baseball incident. Would just be able to kind of recap what has been done since we met last? Um, sure. So I did begin that school committee meeting acknowledging um, that we had a report uh, that fans, uh, Franklin fans, at the home Franklin Sharon uh, baseball game had um, been uh, cheering inappropriately, uh, extremely inappropriately, and the report included. Um, slurs and derogatory comments uh, in the direction of uh, two of the Sharon baseball players. Um, so at the time of the last school committee meeting, there was an active investigation on the part of the high school administrators. Um, we also uh, were in close communication with the Sharon community, superintendent to superintendent, principal to principal, the coaches, the athletic directors, um, in order to um, launch or uh, conduct the investigation and find out more information, as well as um, to uh, provide support and understand to the impact uh, that the Sharon community was feeling, um, as well as um, it affected members of the Franklin community too. Um, and so uh, I want to be sure that we acknowledge that. 
Um, they, by the end of the week, uh, they had concluded uh, the investigation and had determined um, some facts of the case, and based on uh, the facts in the case, had identified responsible parties, um, and then applied uh, appropriate uh, consequences to the school, um, as written to the school code of conduct and to the school handbook. Um, and we've talked, I think, plenty of times about what possible range of consequences those might be, including education. Um, we have been in touch with the Anti-Defamation League, and we've also been in touch with another organization, I think it's called Stand With Us, um, to receive some additional resources that we're evaluating. Um, Anti-Semitism uh, in particular, in my time um, in Franklin, in five years, I think has been um, one of the largest areas in terms of the number of, and the number of incidents and public incidents when I came in um, that spring, there had been uh, three swastikas on school buildings. Um, so we're um, looking at some of these resources and some of the programming, the Stand With Us programming, that was very, very interesting. Um, Paula, Lucas, Josh Hanna, and myself met with uh, a representative from that organization um, for, um, for more education um, in, in the high school community. Um, and uh, we've also, um, we're looking to bring in um, for our younger students, even though this wasn't something that happened um, in our high school population, um, we are also looking to bring in um, the Anti-Defamation League's K-5 resources um, for um, support for our elementary students. So I think I covered the basis there. But, um, you know, we did issue a closure letter to the community to identify uh, where you know, the actions that we had taken. And I guess lastly, I would also say um, we um, have increased the level of um, supervision um, with police presence at all of our night games uh, for the rest of the spring and um, additional administrative presence. Thank you very much. I know uh, when this happened last time, uh, you know, I think many of us kind of committed just a swift response. Uh, but uh, thanks for really kind of expounding on it, and uh, I think the educational piece to, you know, from K to 12 is, is so important and valuable. So thank you very much for the recap. You're, you're welcome. I think there's one thing that, um, that we didn't put in the letter, but I could also add to, is um, without uh, all of the facts and all of the information, it may appear that this was happening the entire game, which I think would be, um, really unfortunate for that to be sort of the narrative for Franklin with the idea of why can anybody intervene or intercede and that it was just sort of happening the whole time. Um, and what I would say is it kind of escalated to that point. Um, and so I don't want anybody to have the impression that this was happening uh, all, all throughout. And I think that's an additional detail that I can feel comfortable sharing with you. Okay, thanks for the clarification. Uh, Megan? Um, no questions for me. Thank you for the updates. Thank you very much, Dr. Lynn. Thank you. Okay. Uh, moving right along to guest presentations. We have our first one, the Kylie Recognition. Yes, it's a very exciting evening, and we've got a full house here in council chambers. Um, we're joined by a couple of principals um, who are prepared to share a few remarks about the retirees uh, who are retiring from their buildings. Um, and for those who couldn't make it, um, Lucas will share some remarks um, for, for some other folks. 
We have 19 individuals retiring uh, this year, and um, a number of them are here in the audience. We also have a few folks joining us, um, and I think we can promote them to panelists so they can participate a little bit uh, virtually, but we did invite people to participate uh, in that regard. And Lucas will be working to bring those folks in. Just saw Joanne McNeil, but I'm not sure Jefferson for the last five years after a career that started in the business world. She then became a classroom and special ed teacher and team chair in other <coughs> districts before finding her way to Franklin. And we have been lucky to have her guidance and her compassion as we have navigated some challenging situations the last several years. Kim is in front of the school each morning to greet the kids, rain or shine, warm or cold. I'm inside because I don't like to be <laughs> Her smile and greeting starts many a child's day off on the right foot. When problems arise, she takes time to listen, ask questions, and get all perspectives before determining the next course of action. I call Kim the parent whisperer because she has a way of speaking with parents who are worried and concerned that puts them at ease and helps them know she is their ally, wanting to work with them to do what is best for their child. I have truly been fortunate to work alongside Kim. She makes me laugh, gives me a hug on the tough days, and looks out for my well-being when I sometimes forget to do it myself. She's the epitome of generosity, and her caring nature and infectious laugh will be missed next year by the students, families, and staff. Thank you, Kim, for always having my back and for all you have done for the staff, the families, and especially for the kids.
Miss Mary Doherty has been an integral part of the Oak Street community for the past 35 years. She's been committed to the youth of this community, spending the majority of her time as a fifth grade teacher. Miss Doherty has high expectations for all students and requires them to give their best effort. And any student has been in her class will tell you that they know that she believes in them. She may, they may also tell you that she has an infectious laugh. Is it okay to say infectious? <laughs> Her sense of humor make learning fun for fifth graders. Mrs. Doherty's classroom is a place where 10 and 11 years prepare for middle school by working hard, but still have the opportunity to beat kids. When I first met Mrs. Doherty, she explained the highlight of the year at Oak Street is a Memorial Day concert, where fifth graders recite the Gettysburg Address. It is a tradition that students remember and understand the importance of because of the way they are taught. I learned this again on Friday afternoon when I approached an Oak Street school bus that had broken down. The students on the bus were noisy, and as I approached, I was ready to remind them to quiet down and be calm. But when I got a little closer, I noticed it was actually the fifth graders making the noise. They were rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> on a school bus, on a Friday, <laughs> in May. And the rest of the students were listening with their eyes wide. So it's with all sincerity that I borrow a couple of lines from Abraham Lincoln. The world will little note nor long remember what I say here, but it can never forget what Mrs. Doherty did here. from Franklin High School, and uh, we'll start with the first, and Mr. Jagir is gonna say a few words about Sandy Gaudette. This is Gaudette. I am so excited I have the opportunity to do this. Um, and I'm gonna, on behalf of Principal Hannah, I'm up here sharing this, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't think about all of the folks, including many of our police officers who have grown uh, men and women now on the force. Um, you've fed a lot of people over this time. <laughs> so uh, you began your career in 1989 in the Franklin High Snack Bar. Um, we think about uh, Sandy and we wish her much, much, much health, good health in retirement. And your commitment has been felt over the last 30 years for Franklin Public Schools. Your cooking and customer service skills will be missed. Her pizza and calzones, if folks don't know, she is responsible for making them from scratch in the, um, in the cafeteria and serving our students. This, she will be missed, and those calzones will certainly be missed. <laughs> uh, we've always appreciated your great sense of humor, your connection with kids through the years, and I've seen that over decades. Um, we just make great connections with kids, no matter what age and uh, where they're at. And we just want to thank you for creating such a safe and healthy environment for our kids and serving well over thousands of students over that time. So it's it's really an honor to, to wish you a happy retirement. Thank you for your service to Franklin Public Schools. doing on a nice warm afternoon in 1975, but Carol was beginning her career at Franklin Public Schools as a cafeteria worker and server. She has served tirelessly over 40 years in our cafeteria. 
When I think of the students that have come through, who she's made smile, uh, fed, made feel comfortable, and just once again created that warmth. Um, I know from my own experience working there, I might not have been a young child, but a child at heart and just felt felt the love coming through there. Felt like my, my mom was in the line. You know, it was a good check-in for me midday. Often needed that as an assistant principal over there. And um, I just want to thank you for all of the nutritious meals you provided. You transitioned to the new high school, um, really looking at taking on a whole new skill set and the technology and, and what was expected of folks at that time. That was a change and it was a challenge and she, she really led her peers in taking that challenge on and adapting um, so that our kids were fed and they knew what to expect when they showed up every day. So I think about what we try to do. We talk about social emotional learning, um, but it certainly extends to all the staff that connect in front face and connect with kids and uh, you were certainly one of those folks that we could rely on to create a safe environment and we just want to thank you and wish you the best in your retirement as well. Marilyn Johnson has served the Franklin Public Schools as an education and support professional. Over the years, she has worked hard to meet the needs of all students. In 2011, Marilyn began working as a crossing guard, too. Since then, every morning and afternoon, Marilyn has been keeping students and families safe from her post along Lincoln Street. I am so pleased to announce that next week, the Massachusetts Safe Routes to School program will help us celebrate Marilyn. They'll be visiting our school and honoring her with a Crossing Guard Champion Award. I'm also proud to share that last year I began a tradition at Keller School of handing out keys to our school. Don't worry, they're not real. <laughs> but they're intended to serve as a token of our appreciation for our best friends that journey on um, from our school and hope they serve as a reminder that as a friend, you're always welcomed and have a place here at home in Franklin. So next week, we also look forward to sharing a key to our school with you. Um, on behalf of the entire Keller School community, Marilyn, I wish you good health and happiness as you retire to the Cape and enjoy time with your children and your grandchildren. Hard things, and she found playful ways to support 
encourage and challenge her students to do just that. Dr. McNeil also was committed to supporting students through important transitional periods in their educational journey. She worked with students and families to be sure that, for example, one preschooler was ready to physically access the big yellow bus for kindergarten and another preschooler attend, a kindergarten, attend kindergarten that was able to meet their physical needs. In another instance, a child used a motorized scooter in school and she worked with the team, the child, and the family to increase their independence, strength, and stamina. As Dr. McNeil enters her retirement, she should be proud that she had left a legacy of high expectations for each and every student to be fully included and connected, no matter their physical disability. Best of luck, Joanne. with us this evening is Christine Ribello, um, and Sarah has a few remarks from Jefferson. Christine Ribello has been an ESP in Franklin for about the last 15 years. Christine gives 100% to her students every day, from the time she greets them in the morning until she walks them out the door in the afternoon. She's kind, caring, nurturing, and very patient. She is a wonderful friend and colleague with a great sense of humor and a generosity of spirit that always shines through. I've witnessed Chris sitting and comforting a crying child with endless compassion and then running a race with that child as he says, smiling and engaged. I don't think she won the race though. <laughs> Chris will most definitely be missed by the students and staff next year and we're so very grateful for her many years of dedicated service to the children of Brooklyn. Five years, Lynn Rizzolo has served the Franklin Public Schools as a classroom teacher. Lynn has worked at Oak Street and Keller Elementary Schools. Students and, and staff um, and their families love Lynn. As a resident of Franklin, she's connected with students outside of school, and her students always look forward to seeing her in the community. Lynn has also served on several district-wide committees and had a tremendous impact on the town. On behalf of the entire Keller School community, Lynn, I wish you good health and happiness as you retire and hope you enjoy well-deserved time with your new grandbaby. Congratulations. Uh, also joining us this evening is Kathleen Roberts, who is retiring from Oak Street. dedicated the last 27 years to the students of the Franklin Public Schools. She has uh, supported instruction as an ESP in several buildings over this time and was the assistant director of the STAR program for years organizing summer programs including Ready, Set, Kindergarten. This is where I first met Mrs. Roberts. She was outside with a hose and a large bowl of <laughs> making our little, littlest students day. We've been fortunate to have Kathleen Roberts at Oak Street for the past decade. Mrs. Roberts is caring, 
flexible, hardworking teacher who has, ex who has excelled at everything she does with our children. She is a unique individual who can connect with students of all ages. She is the Oak Street Swiss Army Knife. <laughs> Few adults have had her ability to connect with and inspire students ranging from ages 5 to 11, and Mrs. Roberts thrives in these settings. She loves to get her steps in, and, in, and on any given day, you turn your head, and there she is. One moment helping a kindergartner do a puzzle, the next taking a third grader for a movement break, well, maybe multiple movement breaks, and then turn around again and see her sitting alongside a fifth grader to help her edit, edit a written response. She has done so much for our school. Thank you, Ms. Roberts, for all you have done. You will be missed. We wish you all the best. true believer in the power of play for children and hands-on learning and discovering things for oneself and the value of the outdoors. Over the years, Debbie has stepped up to take on many other roles and projects within our school, including writing grants to the FEF for multicultural literature for her classroom, organizing and promoting our Memorial Day celebration each year to make sure that kids understand it's not just a long weekend. <laughs> And she also wrote a grant for garden barrels so our first graders could have the experience of planting and growing their own vegetables and flowers, thus earning her the nickname of Farmer Death. She's also been our Mary Poppins, our Mona Lisa, and many other characters in our reading skits over the years. You cannot spend time in her room without coming to know two inherent truths. Practice makes better and better, and we're not better, we're not worse, we're just different. The children who had the good fortune of being a student in Mrs. Winterout's class are well prepared for the next grade level and beyond. Thank you, Debbie, for your dedication to your craft and your school, your care and compassion for your students, and your friendship to your colleagues. Committee, please accept our heartfelt gratitude for a job well done. 
May your next chapter in your life be filled with joy, new adventures, and some well-deserved rest. You matter. Thank you very much.
continued and strengthened community partnerships. Um, that was an area that was highlighted as uh, a strength when we had the counseling review uh, several years ago and something that Franklin was, I think, uniquely positioned to leverage uh, based on uh, the resources that we have uh, in our community and the relationships that have been built. Um, and so this year, we expanded a partnership, as you know, with the Wellesley Centers for Women, um, who brought in a team of clinicians to do uh, additional mental health screening in grades eight and 10. Um, we will be debriefing with them uh, in a few weeks to understand a little bit more from a pattern perspective of uh, the outcomes of that screening, but I, I have heard um, that there has been um, you know, an opportunity to identify students who are struggling that may not have been on our radar screen. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, getting them the support that they need. Um, supporting these initiatives, I think, comes in terms of putting the right resources in place. And so uh, in FY22, um, we added a counselor at Oak Street Elementary School, maybe in Jefferson as well. Because, yeah, it's not listed here, but we also added an additional counselor out at Jefferson. And uh, as you know, uh, through grant funding, we have two counselors and ESPs uh, planned for a very tailored and specific program, the BRIGHT program uh, in FY23. And um, we have been, um, especially post-pandemic, uh, looking to implement strategies to improve staff professional well-being. Um, I would like to uh, give credit to uh, Lucas and Tina and Linda and Paula uh, on the administrative side, uh, as well as our partners uh, with the Franklin Educators Association uh, in bringing together the PD committee to meet regularly during the 21-22 uh, school year, uh, providing input and feedback on uh, something that I think is and ought to be really meaningful to everybody, which is professional development. Uh, the team also expanding choice and voice in PD, um, expanding staff communication through a quarterly newsletter, and um, expanded uh, sharing of resources to support difficult conversations. Uh, the example here, Learning for Justice and the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, I do know that Paula um, has uh, prepared, for example, uh, in quick and short order, uh, communication to go out, out this evening uh, in support of families and faculty and staff related to how to talk to children about violence, um, gun violence, and school violence. Would you like to Just elaborate? to chime in, um, the PD committee met three times this year. Um, earlier in the year, you may remember, we talked about the feedback from, from staff around um, some of the voice and choice options and how that made its way into our um, professional development opportunities. So uh, we continued. We had a meeting last week uh, that Dr. Rogers and um, Dr. Ashley had it planned, and then we all participated in facilitating. We have some really good information to move forward with. So those check-ins and, and collaboration have certainly been helpful for us as we continue to plan. Um, the uh, Painter's Palette, the digital uh, learning newsletter, um, it's listed in here um, for well-being. Um, there are parts of the uh, newsletters that are put out that provide staff um, with not only technical tips, but also um, other, other topics that are covered to try to help help them have um, an easier uh, way to navigate technology or to navigate the school day and whatnot. So um, there's always uh, some positive pieces that come out of that as well. So that's why I landed in that particular area. The updates that you're seeing here are not limited um, to what we're sharing from kind of the district standpoint. There are also kind of school-based uh, efforts and school-based actions that have 
have taken place. Um, and I think particularly in the area of um, faculty and staff well-being, I think um, principals and assistant principals and the faculty and staff themselves own a lot of that at the building level. And I think it um, really came out tonight um, when we saw the deep and close connections um, that, are, that are fostered. I'm going to um, have Lucas and Paula talk to this slide um, related to continued implementation of our community-based committees. This year, um, as you know, we've launched uh, two critical conversations, which are community engagement efforts. Uh, the, the committee that put, puts that together is a community-based committee, as you know, um, the Substance Abuse Task Force and uh, the School Wellness Advisory Councils are made up of stakeholders from throughout the community, where it's either uh, it could be a parent or guardian, educators, administrators. Uh, we have school committee representation as well to try to move these efforts forward. So the first, we were proud of the work that we were able to, to accomplish in those areas. Um, and the first was in mental health, if you remember, and, and substance abuse, which uh, was a November focus. And then later in the spring, uh, we focused more on the impacts of social media. And we had Georgia Wells uh, from the Wall Street Journal come in and facilitate. So. Um, there's a lot of excitement and uh, enthusiasm around what what is the next topic and how do we continue to to use this theme to to meet our community where we're at and try to move some of that messaging forward. Um, as far as anything else to add on that one, Paul? No, I think you you did it. We're looking forward to you know. Um, gosh, I can't. I'm having more funny. Having more critical conversations um, next year. Uh, we're and we're going to tie um, that work with some. Um, educational aspects that are we having with students so that we, the students are getting the education as well as the families um, in the community. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And we need more stakeholders and parents on really getting to know what they want to hear about um, and how we can um, hopefully get some more people to attend as well. Good point, good point about aligning like school-based topics that are discussed and pairing that with the parent evening so that we're all talking the same language um, on some of these ideas. Thank you. And for the School Health Advisory, Advisory Council, same composition of stakeholders, um, but this year, as you know, um, and you'll see, we finalized our policy, and next year it's uh, putting policy into action. And um, uh, Miriam, anything else to add on that as far as the wellness coaching model, we'll enter year two. Um, but. Yeah, no, I, I think the community has, has done some good work on the policy, and I'm um, looking forward to next year and the implementation work with the, um, the coaches. well. Thank you. And I think this is the last slide for Strategic Initiative 1. Um, and this talks a lot about our efforts towards um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and so we're actively in the process of recruiting a director. Um, there has been uh, continued opportunities um, for uh, faculty and staff to engage in PD related to speak up at school, which is around interrupting microaggressions. Um, we are in the midst of um, an equity audit with um, PCG as our consulting group with a projected completion for June of 2022, uh, although we're working through um, the final um, draft right now. Um, and uh, so the intention was to conclude that at the end of the year. Um, we reaffirmed our commitment to a World of Difference peer leader program. Um, so after a couple of years of a hiatus uh, through the pandemic, uh, the Anti-Defamation League returned uh, to the trainings that um, we've been used to. And so we had uh, middle school students participating and high school students participating somewhere around mid-year. 
and then the eighth uh, grade peer leaders um, started to go into classrooms to uh, to implement the anti-bias education uh, for their sixth grade uh, for their sixth grade peers. And you know, one of the things that's really interesting is um, in listening to some of the high school students this year, um, they had talked about the impact of that program and. Um, I guess we're happy to hear, sad to hear that it was on hiatus for two years and you know, wondered where it went. Um, but we had shared with the pandemic that it was difficult to continue, um, but that we reaffirmed the commitment this year um, because they did speak to a positive impact and positive outcome as a result of that program. We still have resource, resource groups, excuse me, with a um, DEI director um, to support students at middle school and high school to help uh, elicit student voice. Uh, and have, have help them have discussions uh, around bias-related matters. Um, we provided an update to both you as a committee as well as the town council and the community on our DEI efforts in February and March. Um, you saw in our handbooks uh, a shift towards restorative justice and uh, response to student behaviors, uh, tiered response to student behaviors in May, and we're proudly um, including uh, unified basketball team representing Massachusetts in the Special Olympics is something uh, worth noting as a highlight. Um, but I would also add too, um, there are things here uh, that we couldn't have planned for, uh, but came up as opportunities during the year and we do look like we are expanding to middle school and we had a very brief middle school unified basketball season. Um, and uh, doesn't get a lot of notoriety that we have unified our, uh, math. Um, Music. music. Unified music. Unified music, too. And um, unified track. And we do have music going track. to speak yeah. tomorrow. Yes. yes. Yeah. So there's, um, there's more, much more to celebrate in terms of that uh, level of inclusion. Uh, the DEI committee continues to do its work. It's, we've got two more meetings. Uh, and these are some of the um, products that people are working on in their subcommittees, including a calendar for awareness of holidays and months and days of recognition. Uh, so some awareness an awareness campaign, um, revising the registration process to make it more inclusive, especially for families for whom English is not their primary language, uh, providing guidance on reducing virus and hiring practices. Um, we've uh, pushed out uh, some uh, quick PD for brief topics that uh, principals can use in faculty meetings, uh, providing educators with guidance on reducing bias when selecting curriculum materials, uh, providing educators with support on inclusive practices and um, uh, celebrating diversity with Project Brain Check, which is an arts project uh, that's been uh, kind of happening at the high school and will be displayed um, across Franklin this summer. Um, so these are some of the outcomes um, that we're anticipating to come to fruition over the next couple of meetings. I think the challenge will then be implementation and uh, pacing, pacing all of this out. There's um, a lot of support and a lot of resources um, and so pacing this out for folks. Um, but the idea is that there's some small chunks that can be kind of repeatedly uh, built into a pattern or a habit um, over time. Our second goal around engaging in rigorous, rigorous curriculum um, includes um, some of our work uh, to develop guaranteed and viable curriculum units aligned to our portrait of a graduate. Um, PD and development was a concentrated area of focus on high school early release days this year. Um, Josh Hanna had talked a lot about incorporating um, SEL and DEI into curriculum units. Um, 
I am going to invite Tina and Linda to take on some of these other additional bullet points um, under guaranteed and viable curriculum units, and I'll first hand it over to Tina. Hey there, sorry we can't be there in person with you all, but we appreciate you um, having us join via Zoom. So um, the first next bullet here, the illustrative mathematics implementation in elementary schools, we spent a lot of time, educators have worked extremely hard on here. Um, we have uh, offered professional development for teachers. We also uh, were able to secure participation in an alpha pilot of, uh, to support our math specialists at the elementary level um, to better equip them to facilitate ongoing professional development during common planning time for elementary school teachers. So that's been happening all year behind the scenes, which is some pretty incredible work. Um, also connected to math at the elementary level, we were able to do a virtual family night and uh, receive some valuable input from families. Um, via a survey, we also put out a teacher survey connected to the math implementation um, and are using that data to really drive forward our curriculum improvement. So just as kind of a couple small examples of that work, uh, it's really being used to drive our future PD planning for elementary school teachers connected to illustrative math, um, some of which is actually happening uh, June 2nd, Paula, I think, or June that is correct. 6th. Okay, um, we're bringing some some folks in from IM to do some professional development with with some groups um, before the end of the school year, and then we also it is also driving a lot of the summer the summer curriculum work that's happening. Um, all those surveys the survey results are really kind of thoughtfully poured through to, to drive that work. Um, and then I think just do you want me to just jump down to the science piece and then I can turn it over to you, Linda, uh, on that last bullet there under the viable curriculum unit. Um, as Dr. Hearn had mentioned, we were able to secure uh, the, the grants for the middle school science. Um, I would say that our science committee unanimously voted to kind of move forward after a kind of a thoughtful evaluation process. We did some site visits to other uh, another school district using um, the open Syed. We also had panelists visit from three different um, school districts in the Commonwealth to share their experiences with the curriculum resource with the entire middle school um, teaching staff. Uh, and, and we're really excited about this opportunity and what it brings forward for our students. Um, we also have some incredible educators, I have to say, and 100% of our middle school teachers are attending Summer professional development connected to our implementation and rollout of our, our new middle school science curriculum. And the few that cannot attend in the summer are attending in the fall. So everybody will, will be kind of starting with the same understanding and support as we enter the school year. And what we really loved about um, this particular curriculum, aside from kind of it stands for you know providing high quality curriculum resources and access to all students, no matter who zip code you live in. Um, what we really, really appreciated was the thoughtful implementation plan, that this is a really a three-year implementation plan, because so often we kind of um, jump really quickly because we want to do what's best for students in the moment, and so we're jumping in, but we're just being thoughtful um, and planful about um, making this a really a guaranteed and viable curriculum experience moving forward. Um, so I think when I'll turn it over to you at this point, Thank you, Tina. 
Um, in the area of ELA, we're getting started with setting up a pre-K to 12 literacy um, ELA review for next year. So we're, we're looking forward um, to getting a posting up uh, before the end of the year to really start a district literacy leadership team, which will not only um, work with the consultants um, and, and teachers in the district next year to really look at our ELA curriculum across the district, look at our instructional models, look at our curriculum and materials, but also so that team will help guide that work and be kind of a steering committee next year. And then um, all buildings will be represented and all grade levels will be represented. So that will really serve the district well moving into the future, really to be that, that literacy team that can come together um, during any um, program implementations or any professional development needs. So um, having that district um, literacy team will be really, um, will be really critical for the future. Um, and also for planning professional development, we're looking at pre-K to five uh, science of reading, um, which is foundational reading skills and um, starting the year with um, professional development uh, for teachers in that area. So it's really gonna be exciting, exciting market yelling next year. Um, in the area of high school social studies, the high school social studies department has been very uh, invested. We've taken a lot of their department meeting time, so I want to thank um, department head Kevin um, McCarthy and the team this year. Um, we really dug in. We uh, were looking to purchase new textbooks through capital, um, through capital um, funds for world history and U.S. history um, for grades nine through eleven. So it's quite a many many students will be. Um, using these materials, we take this um, takes this purchase uh, very seriously, and we take you know a lot of responsibility to, to make the right um, right decisions. So we um, used a really um, a rigorous evaluation process. There's evaluation processes um, through the Department of Ed and other um, other high um, high quality um, uh, resources to really use a really comprehensive rubric so we looked at three we started out with four publishers narrowed them down pretty quickly to three so we looked at Hope Mifflin, McGraw-Hill and Sabas Learning which was the old old um, which is Pearson but they were uh, while so Sabas might not be a, a publisher people are familiar with but it's, it's kind of a, the new Pearson so we narrowed it down um, and teachers piloted we met pretty much monthly we used a really comprehensive rubric so we looked for um, a couple of well, multiple um, areas to make sure we are selecting really high quality um, curriculum that will meet the needs of all 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 students at, at Franklin High School for, for many years to come. So this would be for textbooks, hardcover textbooks for class sets and also for digital resources for um, for for the next six years. Um, and then we would you know the district would continue that that digital subscription after that. Um, we looked at criteria such as making sure diverse perspectives and voices and narratives, um, as you know, very important. Um, very important to make sure that's all taken into consideration in the text and the resources. We really look for that inquiry-based instructional approach, um, looking for student engagement, uh, looking for appreciation of other cultures and students' cultures, their own cultures, um, and also support um, for teachers within the professional development, also with the, the teacher's manuals about how to, um, for sensitive topics, politically sensitive, um, other sensitive topics that teachers are really asking for support in, um, in our, you know, in this um, in kind of the charged climate that we um, find ourselves, social studies teachers sometimes are on the, kind of on the front lines um, 
for those uh, for those conversations. And so um, the, the text that were selected really does a nice job of that. Um, we really wanted to look for something to promote civil discourse, really helping kids have the conversations, period, honest, respectful discussions. Um, people can have different views, but really how to have, look at primary sources, discuss, um, discuss um, things in a really civilized and understanding multiple um, points of view. Um, we want to make sure that the, the text and resources are cognitively demanding, but also included resources for our English language learners, our children with special needs. Um, so the, the resource that we chose, it has different reading levels embedded. So there might be a, a text, but it has the same, um, the same content, same subject area, but multiple reading levels. There's also, um, you can click on vocabulary words and, and, and text and it translates it automatically into, into multiple different languages. Um, so it's, it's quite amazing, um, the resources. So um, we had a big reveal party last, last week. So um, after much, after much um, uh, rigorous evaluation, it was pretty overwhelming that we're going to have learning um, for Pearson. And we're really, really excited about that. Great, thank you, Linda and Tina. Um, Linda and Tina have also been working and they can share a little bit more about this, um, but as an administrative team, we've been working to establish a draft uh, curriculum review cycle, and I know that they're planning on kind of polishing that up this summer, um, but it would be uh, kind of a way to formalize curriculum planning, make it be a little bit more predictable. Right now, it's been a little reactive to two things. One might be changes from the Department of Education. The other might be, oh, our subscription is up. Uh, we, need to, we need to think about materials. So this would be um, a much more deliberative process um, to get into a regular review cycle of particular content areas. Um, Tamlin, did you want to add any more to that? Um, so I guess what I would just kind of highlight additionally would be the idea of how we're using backwards design throughout this, this process. So really when we're talking about curriculum revision process, we want to make sure, as um, Dr. Hearn uh, mentioned, that we have a, um, a we're planful, uh, that we're evaluating, we're looking for feedback, we're implementing, we're reflecting on an ongoing basis, but really using kind of this understanding by design approach and that we have kind of the end in mind, right? That we're, we're planning in a thoughtful way to ensure that all of our students have a guaranteed viable learning experience, that we're developing uh, curriculum units with kind of thoughtful, thought-provoking questions that run across course-alike partnerships, that run across grade levels, um, so that all of our students uh, have similar experiences and, and the outcomes of whether it be the course or the grade level expectations are the same no matter what teacher you have, no matter what course you go to. So we're, we're kind of keeping that in, in our minds as we develop a curriculum revision process. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. Okay. I will just add that um, like a typical curriculum review process might look at a content area every six years or so, typically along the lines of how long um, a subscription series might last uh, with particular materials. It's not hard and fast, um, but that is what I've kind of seen. Um, it also will help, I think, make capital requests a little bit more predictable too, in terms of spacing out um, various capital requests with the town for curriculum resources. Um, I think it's sometimes helpful to think about backwards design in terms of what it's not or what curriculum planning used to be like. 
Um, a lot of uh, curriculum planning used to be uh, activity driven, activity based. I'm going to do this today, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then I'll give an assessment. Um, but backwards design, uh, as Tina had mentioned, begins with the end in mind. So you're thinking about what student outcomes are you uh, looking to, uh, to achieve through the standards and through, um, and, and you kind of parse through the standards to determine what knowledge and skills are going to be required for students to be successful. Uh, then you plan the assessment. Um, what is the evidence that they are going to um, produce, whether it's a traditional assessment or maybe a project. And then the learning experiences get tailored uh, towards what that evidence is. And so it's really turning um, curriculum planning um, backwards um, from what it had been, which was kind of activity driven, um, but less purposeful. Um, but the idea is uh, to have a guaranteed and viable curriculum that uh, is, um, is equitable uh, while also leaving uh, room for educators to exercise professional judgment. Um, they know the students in their classroom. So that is also um, at play, particularly when we think about the instructional uh, components of, uh, of that unit design. Um, to support uh, the curricular area, you need resources uh, to help support that, and we're um, grateful to the school committee for recognizing that. Um, and in this year's budget, we have um, two directors of curriculum in specific content areas, and I think the value is being seen in terms of the focus uh, that they are each able to give, um, which is needed at this time. Um, you'll see with the curriculum review cycle, you know, there's limits in terms of capacity, in terms of what you can reasonably look at in any given year. And then um, they saw, uh, and I agree with kind of a void in, um, in curriculum leadership at the middle school, this is not to take away anything from those individuals who are stipended uh, teachers who are supporting um, department needs within each building, um, but they teach full time. And so um, in order to have a written guaranteed curriculum, um, we appreciate the support of two teacher leaders at the middle level. The third uh, area is around high quality instruction to meet the SEL and academic needs of each learner. Um, I would really love to um, invite Tina and Linda to talk about NWEA. This has been uh, a major area of focus for them, um, the MAP, NWEA MAP assessment. This has been a major area of focus for them this year and um, a whether it's um, screening or being used as a progress monitoring tool, you know, kind of forms the basis for um, not all, but uh, a decent amount of understanding of where students' skills are. So Tina and Linda um, can talk a little bit about that. So we feel very fortunate to have this uh, assessment tool um, across all schools K-8. And so ultimately students took assessments in the fall, winter, and spring. And we had a, an implementation plan um, that we pulled together this past summer and followed throughout the year and really tried to um, think very strategically about not putting too much on students and staff at one time. And so how did we kind of slowly implement um, giving the assessment and analyzing the data of assessment. And so we started by um, inviting the folks from NWEA in to give uh, a little virtual PD. 
And then Linda and I started to take a bit of ownership of that and doing some work with our curriculum leaders and building uh, administrators um, and developing some, some professional development that was really focused on Franklin's needs. And so we looked at specific reports um, and, and gave some collaborative planning time and gave some professional development about what does the data mean and then gave some collaboration time um, to really thoughtfully uh, you know, analyze that data. Candidly with that, um, supporting our curriculum leaders and building principles and uh, developing protocols and structures to um, kind of analyze and talk about data. You know, how are we going to use it? What does this data mean? And how are we going to thoughtfully use it? And we really wanted to kind of have that plan throughout this whole year and this professional development um, so that we, at the end of this year, understand what the data says and how we can use that data to impact learning. And then goals moving forward is really, you know, how can we, now that we have a bit of a better understanding about what this has to offer as a benchmarking tool, what are the other um, project modeling tools that we might be able to pull into, into um, play? And then also, how do we communicate that with both families and students and bring them into the conversations about goal setting and, and things of that nature? And so thinking through how that um, support and professional development um, continues moving forward. And I'll just add that um, really, we're just really proud of our curriculum leaders, middle school, our math and literacy specialists at Belmont through school because it's been a, you know, it's, it's been a big initiative, but um, we were very careful and planful because we knew this was going to be um, a lot of a lot of data, a lot of assessment. So we really want to thank just all the educators, K to eight, for their patience and their perseverance. And we're really starting to be able to just to get through that first year, but being able, they're really starting to be able to use the data and figure out, okay, what's going on with these kiddos and how to um, really start thinking about the interventions that will match um, that will match the um, you know some weak, maybe some weaker skill areas and really that's really in stage two as, as Tina said um, how we're going to use the data but they've done a great job just um, during PLC meetings on uh, planning times the, um, the department meetings is really digging in um, to the data and figuring out okay how can each different subject area on uh, different grade levels utilize the data um, to really uh, move instruction ahead. Thank you. Um, the data has been um, instrumental and helpful in terms of um, providing targeted literacy and math interventions, um, and we introduced that at all five elementary schools this year um, as we returned to full and in-person learning, um, kind of following disrupted learning in the pandemic. Um, along those same lines, uh, I wanted to be sure this wasn't part of the district improvement plan per se uh, when we set out in the fall, um, but do want to recognize um, that Title I has been expanded uh, to the Keller Elementary School, and, and that's um, you know kind of something new and noteworthy, um, not new to the folks that joined from DT, but new uh, to Keller, and so wanted to, to point that out specifically. Um, Lucas and Paula, um, similar to NWEA MAP, um, we've been working with DESA for some time, um, but have more recently expanded to all of our schools, and that is something um, that we want to highlight. Look, Paula provides some detail, but just big picture, we talk about NTSS, in order to have a, a strong system, you need to have this type of assessment data. So you heard the academic side with literacy and math, 
and looking for benchmark assessments that occur um, three times per year. On the other side of that coin, the behavioral SEL side, you have the DESA um, that we're using K through five, and we're using that data. So um, our goal in setting the stage for that really positions us well as we continue to plan moving forward and roll out future plans is to look at that information and how can we tie that to future goals that we have throughout the year. And then we have this as a monitoring platform that we can use on both ends of, of kind of that, if you're thinking of the pyramid with academics and behavior, trying to structure everything with that in mind. Um, I'll let Paula talk a little bit about this, but we're just really proud that we were able to get all five of our elementary schools on board. There's a transition um, when you first roll it out, calibration, because it's a teacher um, rated assessment, you need to make sure that people feel comfortable to do the ratings and unpack that. So uh, we kicked the year off and then picked up in the second um, of three assessments with the new schools to bring them on board. But the other schools have been working at it for a few years and developed great tools. If you, you may recall, um, a few years ago, it was like the so now what? We've done the assessments. We have this great information. We have kind of this wild west of resources. How can we funnel it? That was about the time we were doing the competency of the month. And we're going to um, look to, to revisit that next year. But the schools that were on board um, are able to assist the, um, the schools that were just starting out this year with like, OK, if you're finding that students struggle with social awareness, here are like three things you can bet into a warm up, into a classroom discussion. Here are some other tools. So we've tried to like create a pathway to point to resources. I really don't have much more to add. You can sum that up really well. Sorry, um, I thought it was a good picture. That's there, okay. That's all right. But yes, as Lucas said, it's administered three times a year. We start with the mini DASA, and then based on those ratings, um, some students are flagged where we have to do um, a full-scale DASA, which is a little bit longer. Um, and then the, the um, SEL support teams, I guess you want to call them, um, really look at that data and figure out um, what, based on that data, what interventions need to take place, whether that's tier one interventions at the classroom level, or tier two interventions where counselors will pull some small groups within the classroom, or tier three where they get pulled out for individual support. Um, we also do a similar assessment called the EDECA at the preschool level with that same idea. We're looking at those rating scales and determining what are the strengths of students in regards to SEL as well as the areas of growth and need. Um, and yeah. Panorama, yes, at the middle school level, um, we are implementing Panorama, which is a SEL-based um, tool. Um, it's a survey that students take, and we use that data also to provide supports, um, as well as this year, we, we um, the expert, the, um, we, we implemented the expert. Um, it was on hiatus for a while due to the pandemic, so that is um, a screening that's done in grades seven and Nine, yes, seven and nine. Um, and that was completed at three middle schools and in the first week of June, it'll be completed at the high school in grades nine. And then as um, Sarah already alluded to earlier, we brought in the Wellesley Center for Women to expand our um, Science of Suicide program, as well as um, we did it in our health classes as well in the other grade levels. Um, and we look to expand that as well as the Metro best adolescent health survey. So we're taking all of this data and really trying to figure out where our students are at, what needs they have, and how we can program to meet those needs. Just to break down the acronym SBIRD, it's a screening tool um, that's meant to be very quick and really focuses on screening students for uh, safety, substance use, things like that. Um, and you may have seen the letters come home if you're a parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler. 
you would have received those. Um, it's, a, it's an optional screener, but certainly wanted to just break down the stance um, for uh, screening, brief intervention and referral. Know, it's it's um, referral and treatment, so. Yeah. yeah. I, I will share, uh, SBIRT is, uh, might be considered an underfunded mandate. Correct. Um, we, it is optional for families. You can opt your child out of escort screening, but it is a requirement for districts to do. It came in play maybe five or six years ago or so. Um, there was an allocation for the initial training that came from the Department of Health and Human Services or the Department of Public Health, I can't remember. Um, but no ongoing uh, funding and support for that. So just take that moment. Um, I don't like to belabor unfunded or underfunded mandates, but. Um, that's one. Um, also in the area of instruction um, is um, a strengthening of digital learning. Um, and so, you know, we don't have, I actually was reflecting on this, we don't have COVID written anywhere on the district improvement plan update. Um, however, um, we did still find ourselves, um, you know, kind of responding to the ways in which the pandemic has um, influenced education. Uh, one is this idea of multi-tiered systems of supports, which was in place pre-pandemic, but pointing out a greater need to have those tiered systems of supports, uh, and shoring up our practices there. And then also the disruption um, related to technology uh, and instructional technology in the classroom, and Lucas has been working with the DLIs on the digital learning plan. The, and you'll see that this fall. It'll be one of the first things we, we present. But the digital learning integrationists have been working really hard to, to help us continue to sustain um, the high level of instruction using some of these tools. We've also put a fine eye towards which programs and software need to continue because they support teachers today in classes and which um, were really a benefit to us in a virtual environment or a hybrid environment to try to really be fiscally responsible about what needs to continue. And we've had those discussions and um, the staff have been great around providing some feedback and um, either finding alternatives that are free that can meet that need, but certainly trying to keep a close eye on that. The, the management of that has certainly been an undertaking. I think the positives with um, learning to teach in a virtual environment or a hybrid environment and carry some of those tools means continued support and uh, those student data privacy pieces involved with that and really just trying to leverage the technology that we have. Um, anything that we purchase that a teacher is expected to use or a student is expected to use, we um, expect to support that. So the touch views were installed this year, 289 I think was the number, if I might be wrong there, but um, touch views across um, K to eight um, in our district and that required uh, one, one day you're a teacher, you get the email, hey, Tomorrow you're gonna to have a, a new piece of technology in there. So what do you do have to do before that? And the digital learning integrationists held voluntary meetings after school, did demos so that it wasn't a complete shock and surprise. And then once the day happened, they were coming in early to make sure that they were there um, to greet the staff members who had the new, because it was rolled out in a real scheduled way. So that when you walked in your room and you were gonna have 23 kids come in, walking into your room in, in, in 20 minutes, you had at least a moment with someone who knew how to use that system. So that's one of those things that maybe sounds very small, but if you're a teacher, if you've been a teacher and you know that those kids are coming in your room, having a technology issue is, um, can certainly create uh, an undue stress and uh, they, do, they work really hard to help support our staff, so. 
And um, the last slide, I think, uh, related to instruction, um, kind of specifies uh, specific resources and personnel that we've um, brought on board within the past two years. Uh, again, with an eye towards increased personalized learning um, and inclusive practices. Uh, so that includes the transition coordinator uh, at the high school. Um, we're adding additional English language development educators. We did in the FY22 and FY23 budget uh, to support a growing population there. DLIs um, that you just heard about. Um, continuing to make sure um, that we're supporting, at least from a financial perspective, um, staffing for our specialized programs from teachers uh, as well as paraprofessionals. Um, we have had some trouble fully staffing paraprofessionals um, and we've pulled out all stops uh, to have paraprofessionals brought on board, including uh, consulting with several agencies this year um, to staff paraprofessionals in the district. And I think we're faring uh, better than, uh, than some, of our, some of our colleagues. Um, and um, adding Wilson Language Educator for elementary schools in FY23. Uh, we did add one, actually, now that I think about it, at Remington uh, Middle School uh, this current year. So it's not on the slide. But um, again, trying to make sure that we're providing um, very specific resources to target specific student needs. Um, again, with the idea that um, there's more neurodiversity and there's uh, more uh, diverse needs among our student population. Again, um, I've said it before, we're not alone in that regard. Uh, it's a trend that other districts are experiencing too. And lastly, lastly effective two-way communication. Um, we continued to work uh, through the Human Resources uh, Department around uh, enhancing recruitment and employee services. Um, a small group of us uh, participated in a DESE-sponsored professional learning community on diversi diversifying the educator workforce. Uh, we've incorporated some DEI language into recruitment and job postings. And uh, there is currently a compensation and class study for non-administrative, non-union personnel. Um, so a lot of folks in this building, um, some of our secretaries, um, people in the financial office, um, the town is also participating in that um, in order to uh, to examine those roles and compensation. Uh, we continue to strengthen and grow community partnerships. Those are some of the partnerships that, uh, that we have. You should put Franklin Cultural District on there too, uh, and Wellesley Centers for Women. Um, we've, uh, we had an initiative uh, starting up the year to begin and communicate master facilities planning process. Um, so uh, from our perspective in the central office, we've supported uh, your subcommittee uh, a space needs subcommittee that has met several times this spring, and um, they are planning a presentation to the full committee and the community at your next meeting. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that in new business. Um, communicating the long-term budget forecast with the Franklin community, um, so we continue to uh, issue budget communications in collaboration with the marketing and communication specialist. Um, you have seen our one-page budget flyer. Um, and the budget poster uh, that she had put together. Um, there's been several uh, newsletter articles. Um, there's a staff newsletter article too uh, related to the budget, um, the budget book, and um, did a couple radio shows with Franklin Matters. Um, and then expanding two-way communication with faculty and staff. We instituted a quarterly newsletter. Um, we uh, looked at doing a mid-year survey, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in my uh, evidence. Um, we had the PD committee. Um, I held several copies with the superintendent and central office staff. 
um, one initiative that had been on the table, um, but I pulled back on it mid-year, um, was doing the superintendent's roundtable, um, which would have been a group of educators uh, to get together and, and serve as an advisory committee. Um, my predecessor had done that, and it had met during the day. Um, and was something I was looking forward to. Um, when we had challenges getting substitutes, um, kind of felt that um, needed to put a pause on that. Um, didn't feel that I could really pull people out of school. Um, and it didn't also hearing people's um, worries about um, I think what a difficult year it was, didn't want to add something after school either. So uh, just kind of put pause, but um, that is talked about in my individual uh, evidence as well. So I think that brings us to the end of our um, updates for you on our four goal areas and the initiatives from this year. We would be happy to take your comments or questions. Thank you very much, Dr. Um, no questions. Thank you. Dave Kelly. Um, first, thank you very much uh, for the presentation. I said one um, piece of clarification. It was talking with the strategic initiative, the first one, um, with the expansion with the Wellesley uh, Center. Was that funding from our operating budget? Was that the program that was uh, Senate President Spilka was yes. able to acquire? Yeah, so um, last year in the state budget, Senate President Spilka um, put aside money for her districts to do additional mental health supports, and it could look a variety of ways. We applied it, um, and it covered nearly the full amount. We applied it towards this additional mental health screening. Um, and this year, um, Jamie Hillen and I wrote a legislative advocacy letter asking for earmarks again. And I haven't heard, but we did ask um, for continued support for that um, in the future. Okay, terrific. Yeah, because that's a fantastic program that we're able to, to continue through. So thank you very much. I appreciate that point of clarification. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so thank you for the, the work. Um, it shows up that how thoughtful you've been uh, covering not just our students, but the staff as well, and really touching all levels just to make sure that we are uh, really touching them and caring for them. Um, the, the question that I had, though, was around the curriculum review cycle. I know that we're working on that plan, but what does the time look like once that review curriculum is in to get that updated? Tina and Linda, do you want to jump in on that? I'd be happy to share, but a bit closer. Sure. Can I, but can I ask you to repeat the question? I kind of yeah, sure. No uh, so I guess Thanks. once you begin the review process for curriculum, what's that time look like? How long does it take to to review it and get that updated? That's a good question. Um, so it could vary, but typically what will happen is once you have um, the, the various curriculum areas identified, uh, you know when those curriculum revisions will happen during which year. It, you're typically looking. Um, if you're looking at like your review process, you review curriculum first year. Um, so that would be when your committee would form, you would um, potentially pilot different resources, um, you would use a rubric as Linda kind of spoke to before. The committee would then make a you know a, a decision on which resource to move forward with. But the cycle doesn't really kind of end there. That might be the thing that this is what we're putting forth for an app for a capital expenditure. But then your review cycle, if you um, I think Dr. Hearn had mentioned, typically it's a six-year revision cycle. 
So within each year of that revision cycle, what you'll typically see is um, a different kind of uh, part of the process. So for example, um, after you evaluate um, and make a decision, then your next year would be your implementation year. So this would be a lot of where a lot of time around professional development development would be spent. And then the next year would be um, like on, uh, around gathering more feedback around what's necessary, um, what more, what other professional development or supplemental resources might be necessary to enrich uh, the tier one resource that you might be um, adopting. And then you'd be reflecting, so there's different points in that six year process that you're never really done with one curriculum area in one year. It's just that kind of heavy lift of the evaluation to then adopt happens in a year, the heavy professional development, and then there's a lot of kind of reflection and planning and um, that moves forward throughout the remaining year. It's also a self-study phase where you look at what you're currently yeah. doing and try to look at, does the curriculum that we're teaching, and does this meet the needs of our, of our learners currently? Um, the DEI lens, depending on the course, um, SEL lens, um, really trying to make sure that does does this are we meeting the frameworks at a very basic level? So that self-study is really an opportunity to look at that. Then look at instruction. Are instructional practices aligned, like Dr. Hearn mentioned, to meet the goals? Do the, do the instructional practices and um, do they do they allow students to demonstrate those skills that we expect them to know? So as part of a multi-year, and, and it's also respectful to um, teachers who teach multiple subject areas. If, uh, if you're in a reactive state, you can find yourself having to, like an elementary teacher, look at a science curriculum and um, a math curriculum in the same year. So with a, uh, with a staggered curriculum cycle, you're able to pace this out so that the lifting is more predictable and, and can lead to better outcomes. And then the piloting and recommending of a resource after you've done some self-studying gets much clearer on the direction that you need to move. So I just would add that as, a, as a, another component. Uh, thank you very much for this update. It's great to see uh, things that are being done at the school level um, to, that are in line with our district goals. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, just a couple brief questions. Um, what has been the most impactful social emotional learning initiative during pandemic learning? I'm curious to, to hear what my colleagues in central office think. Um, I have my own opinion, but I'm curious. I actually told our principals who know them, I don't think who are, are expert, experts on what's actually happening in the buildings. Um, I think overwhelmingly it was the um, implementing EDECA and, e and DESA and panorama surveys across, you know, the, the really the, the service and the social emotional um, progress model, the assessments. Um, I think finding out really where our students were. Um, I think initially when the pandemic, you know, when we came back full and in person, I think the priority of connecting with students and families was really impactful as well as supporting our families during the pandemic. Um, whole school me meetings have now been able to be implemented again where they're really focusing on the core values of the schools and the core competencies for SEL. Um, they're looking at you know mindfulness as well as uh, movement breaks and mystery readers um, and whatnot. Um, I think um, advisory at the middle school level has really um, focusing on the individual topics in the small group um, and now they're asking for student input of what they want next year so I think that's been very impactful. And at the high school, it was really getting all the teams and the clubs back 
running again. Um, so they could make, build those relationships, have those social connections. Um, and it, it, it gave moments for students to look forward to many things. So I think, you know, when masks came off, you heard Josh Hanna a few weeks ago, when masks, masks came off, that was a huge thing as well. So um, I really think, yeah, that's, that's what I heard. It was a much better answer than I think, much more specific answer than what I would have given. Um, I guess I want to give credit where credit is due, um, and that is to the entire district in terms of SEL. We had, um, as part of the counseling review going back four years, uh, just tremendous accolades and commendations around the strength of our SEL, um, not just programming and practices, but mindset. Mindset around social and emotional learning. And um, I think that mindset um, really set the stage for, and, and there are some kind of new things that came through with the assessments, but set the stage. Um, I just think our educators um, have that mindset and, and recognize that it's important um, both for the whole child and the child's well-being, but also, too, for academics, that it's reinforcing in terms of academic growth. The idea of a new initiative, really, the what, what was interesting to me is it's getting back to some solid practices that we were missing so sorely and we've heard from our community and our families and our teachers around connection um, was, was probably the, the greatest. Thank you. Um, the mindset that you touched upon, uh, Sarah, I think that's so important that we have that as a, a cultural component of Franklin Public Schools that we are um, truly learning how we can best meet students um, where they're needed. And I think you know, to uh, your point, the survey is not like actually compatible with that. So I thank you for um, that update. And then um, just one more question. Do you think there's a strategic initiative that will be particularly important in the coming school year, and why? So I think what I would say, and would also invite Lucas to chime in, um, as I you know, sort of reflect and think about the part is uh, this was and always has been a pretty ambitious list. And um, so kind of focusing on the initiatives that are here and deepening them and improving upon them without uh, too many, too many add-ons. Um, I think from the committee's perspective, um, one of the things that's not on here, and sometimes that's happened where we have a district improvement plan and then things sort of get added a little bit after the fact, like school start times was never part of the district improvement plan, but then took up a lot of time uh, when we got to the school start time study, um, would be um, just recognizing and acknowledging within the area of communications, um, how much is going to need to be communicated out and planned for with respect to um, the master facilities planning process. Um, I think that's something that is an area that's going to need to be augmented in the coming year and is a big policy policy piece. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to short sell that. So that's my, that's my take. My take would be, I said this um, in a previous meeting with you all, is just recommitting to our systems, our systems of how we proactively teach kids. Um, I think just I'll use an example, behavioral systems, how we act and treat each other in school, um, the how we respond when um, that's not being adhered to, um, what's the process for that, and then it ties in with communication around what can we 
forward face for families. Um, I think after just talking to principals all week uh, around uh, a few of the, we're already, we're already thinking for next year and planning and starting to think about these systems and how we can make them better, but really trying to, to hone in on the work we have this summer to really um, try to reset and then re-communicate our expectations in those areas and provide families. That's just one example um, of a system. You heard us talk a little bit about the academic and the SEL component to that to that work and, and how that might look, and we just covered a few slides on that as well. Um, that would be um, a second area. And um, with that, I think when I say the word systems, it's really evaluating all of our resources and looking at how we can, can meet the goals and really setting some goals that we need to be protective of if we're going to be really honed in on specific areas and really dedicated to moving the work forward in curriculum review or um, student behavior or advisory or whatever the areas are being clear and upfront at the beginning of the year on what we intend to do so that when we have this meeting next year it's, it's kind of known what we're reporting out on and the progress we made using the screening tools we've had and, and to Sarah, uh, Sarah's point around some things can can take over and, and um, not be on that plan, but I think to the degree that I can in the in the role that um, you know that I uh, I hope to be taking on um, will be to really protect that to the degree. But we can't protect something if we don't communicate what we are doing. So um, that would just be the that's my long-winded answer. But really committing to systems and goals and having a real clear plan of how we're going to get it done. And if it means it's a multi-year process, what does it look like in future years so that it's clear as possible and I'm proud of the work that we're all doing and the transition between Sarah and me and then the team and thinking about how that will look. Thank you, Bill. No questions, just a comment. I think that all these details we've sort of heard a little bit about here and there in various presentations over the last uh, year. And it's just so nice to see it all organized here and really hoping that everybody, you know, you and the entire team, you and folks who aren't here or virtual tonight, um, just take some pride and, you know, it's always good to sort of look back and get some perspective from from the last year, where we were a year ago. And, and it's a lot of really amazing work. So. Thank you very much for the presentation and a lot of hard work. Thanks very much. Thank you both. Thank you. Um, we move on to see superintendent's evaluation. Presentation of evidence. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to go through every little bit of it, um, but I did prepare a brief slideshow just to kind of walk through the pieces that go into the superintendent's evaluation. And um, in years past, we've done it in a meeting. There have been times where it's been done in a workshop. So uh, I think last year it was in a, in a workshop. Um, so um, this is just kind of a high level uh, overview and outline, which we did have a workshop about, and at least um, as the chair of the subcommittee had talked about. Um, so the superintendent's evaluation is based on uh, these items. Uh, personal goals, uh, professional practice goal, and a student learning goal. Um, all educators who are evaluated under the Department of Education's evaluation system um, that was put in place probably about 10 years ago um, set two goals for themselves um, and, uh, and I do as well. Uh, the school committee has uh, always afforded me the opportunity to narrow the superintendent's rubric, rubric into um, focus areas. And um, 
I have actually had the same focus areas for the past um, five years um, based on self-reflection in terms of what I think to be the most important areas for superintendent as well as the needs of the Franklin Public Schools. Um, there are other areas in the rubric that might pertain to a different context. Um, specifically, uh, curriculum and instruction, laws, ethics, and policies, fiscal systems, communication, and shared vision. Um, in recent years, um, the Department of Education has issued focus indicators for um, districts to consider. Um, some districts kind of took it upon themselves to focus in on some indicators, um, and then those who didn't had an opportunity through the department um, to have focus indicators for educators. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. The rubric is, I think there's like 20 something uh, indicators, and each indicator has a couple different elements. So it's really can get really tedious uh, if you don't kind of focus in. And then the district improvement goals, um, and I guess one of the things that I always um, am really transparent about um, is a recognition that um, the only way I do work as superintendent is with other people, um, and so it's really a team-based effort um, with, uh, with other folks in the district to accomplish, uh, in particular, uh, the district improvement goals. So in terms of the district improvement goals, um, you just heard the district improvement plan update um, this evening. Um, this? Sure. Thank you. I left this part of my packet over at the table. Um, but I did do uh, a self-assessment related to whether or not the uh, district improvement goals were met or their significant progress. Um, I have uh, kind of a, a nagging habit of being pretty ambitious in terms of setting the goals. Um, and uh, so just a, just a just a self-aware acknowledgement. Um, and uh, and so I've got uh, the first two having been met and the third and fourth one uh, being listed as significant progress. Um, I think uh, district improvement plan goal number four in terms of significant progress, and this ties to one of my personal goals, was around a strategic plan. Um, but kind of announcing my departure in January um, left me feeling like that would be better deferred to an incoming superintendent um, as part of the entry process to be thinking about uh, a new strategic plan. And then in terms of high quality instruction, I'm trying to think of why I rated it the way I did, but um, I think there was more um, that, in my opinion, I would have liked to have done uh, related to district improvement plan number three. Um, in terms of the uh, professional practice goal, this one was related to uh, collaboration and communication skills, and um, the professional practice and student learning goal were both intended to be two-year goals. Uh, it was interesting to kind of take a look back at this goal, uh, which was so focused on communicating in a virtual environment. Um, and then fast forward to this year, um, things have really changed. I think we're kind of desperate and clamoring to be back to uh, in-person uh, in environments with our uh, teams and committees. Um, but we are really trying to consider when does a virtual environment lend itself to a meeting versus, um, versus in-person. And, um, and so, uh, but also like what, what other communication and collaboration uh, tools um, did we learn about through the pandemic and continue forward? Um, 
I will say to Lucas's point around returning to systems, um, communication is kind of an interesting one um, that I haven't 100% figured out where we are post-pandemic with communication. Um, when the pandemic hit, the building shut down, communication really migrated out of the buildings to central office. And then with buildings opening back up, communication really migrated back to central office. But what is the role uh, of communicating from the central office? And I think there's a stronger role than there had been previously. Um, and so figuring out what those communication systems would be uh, is, uh, is, um, is, uh, is something that I think can be evaluated um, going forward. Um, so there's some updates there uh, to, that I shared with you in some bullet points around various uh, methods of communication through the year. And um, again, I'm not gonna go through everything, uh, but hopefully uh, you see it tied to some of the evaluation uh, comments um, and suggestions from, from the previous committee. Um, the um, student learning goal, I rated as, um, as met. Um, and uh, that was related to supporting social emotional learning skills um, of uh, students and staff. Um, so you can see the action uh, plans there. A lot of things are complementary with the district improvement plan. You will see a lot of overlap between, uh, between those goals, but there's some additional pieces um, that are kind of specific to some things that I may have done that you wouldn't have had uh, exposure to. Um, I tried to do monthly casual coffees with faculty and staff and with families. Um, I think the virtual environment was great. It did provide some um, measure of uh, accessibility uh, to those. It w was very limited in terms of the number of people who attended, uh, and so I had halted doing that. Um, I do anticipate doing a final faculty uh, coffee before the end of the year um, with, uh, with the group. Um, and we already talked about the superintendent's uh, round table. Um, we did not have uh, a great um, turnout uh, in January. We provided some time for the staff to complete a survey and did not meet um, kind of expectations there. Um, so you may want to consider um, deferring an end of year survey. People are pretty overwhelmed uh, at this point in time as we launch into the end of the year. Uh, defer to the beginning of next year and incorporate uh, an element of teacher and staff feedback in the next superintendent's entry process. Um, although um, we only had a 38% response rate, we did see an increase in the professional development satisfaction, which was nice to see. Uh, but because the response rate was so low, we didn't um, ultimately kind of publish the results. Um, and so that was disappointing, um, but people did have a lot on their plates. It was January, COVID was high. Um, and so I would suggest maybe revisiting that, having a conversation with uh, FBA leadership, for example, and maybe understanding a little bit more about how best to gather some staff feedback. Um, and then um, I'll just skip ahead. I know I'm going fast, but you have all of this to look at and are certainly invited. This is not, um, you don't just have to ask questions tonight if there's anything that you want some follow-up on um, between now um, within the next week or so, happy to provide you with additional information or clarification. Um, in terms of the focus indicators, um, you can see uh, some additional bullet points um, for each of them, including um, curriculum and instruction, 
Um, some of the things that um, weren't talked about was um, we meet with principals once or twice a month as a level-based team, and um, we typically focus those meetings on curriculum and instruction. Um, and so that's been um, that's been something that we started in the pandemic and have continued forward as a structure that I think has been really positive. And um, speaking of returning to previous systems, I resumed my school-based visits and uh, did some walkthroughs. Um, went to ECDC today, which is always a highlight. Um, and so resumed uh, walkthroughs of classrooms. Um, in terms of law, ethics, and policies, um, continue to support the policy subcommittee uh, in your review of the bullying uh, policy in particular and discrimination and harassment. Um, I think notably the mask policy was something that we had to navigate through this year um, and um, things that you heard me talk about but wouldn't have seen as consulting with health professionals and other districts um, to determine um, kind of the best course and trying to advise you uh, in that direction applying to the state for a waiver at the high school and you know, want to thank um, Paula and the nursing team for um, gathering all of that vaccination data so that we can uh, do that and provide a measure of relief to folks. Um, thank Paula too for the COVID testing, uh, COVID testing which I think has been just critical uh, this, uh, this year. Um, it, yeah. It's just been critical to have that weekly that weekly testing. I think it's incredibly reassuring to people uh, that we have that. Um, behind the scenes, supported the folks with the tiered focus monitoring review. I think um, I wanted to highlight that uh, as a measure of determining our compliance with certain um, regulations from the um, state and federal government. And um, one of the things that um, that I also wanted to bring up that you might not be aware about um, as a school committee is that um, you know, whether it's a special education process or whether it's one of your policies like discrimination, harassment, bullying, um, there are appeal procedures um, for uh, families who are uh, discontent. And so um, as the superintendent, I'm in a position to uh, support our team in providing documentation and uh, supporting uh, any of the uh, complaints that may happen um, to to agencies um, that exist to uh, make sure that our practices are good. Uh, in terms of uh, fiscal systems, um, I linked the legislative advocacy letter there, and um, Miriam and I have kept you up to date on, uh, on the budget. Um, in terms of communication, um, I added a few things there related to our focus on communicating with uh, families whose primary language is not English. We um, have made the interpretation services much more uh, noticeable when you walk into school offices, for example, um, and I think that's a, a nice addition uh, to the district. And we're currently exploring uh, additional technology tools um, um, that's being spearheaded by our digital learning integrationists and Michelle Kingsland-Smith, our ELD director. Um, and I think, um, I think one of the things that I'm most proud of um, is this last one uh, in terms of shared vision around the portrait of a graduate. And um, it's continually referenced throughout the district. Um, you saw it tonight 
you've seen it in budget presentations, um, but it's making its way into classrooms too and uh, senior projects last night. Um, it's very specific in the rubric. There's an expectation that the students are going to reflect on the work that they did in their senior project and point to how it connects to the portrait of a graduate and what skills specifically they developed. Uh, while engaging in their internship project. Um, and so to me, that's like full circle. I should get goosebumps. Um, and uh, I think similarly, um, work is underway to do something equally or similarly powerful with respect to a uh, shared vision around equity. So the foundation is laid with the equity statement. Um, and uh, there can be continued work to bring people together uh, to make sure that each and every child is supported um, in the Franklin Public Schools. So happy to answer any questions uh, now, um, but if there's specific questions or additional documentation you'd like to see, can provide it to you um, within the coming days. Sure. Um, Elise, I'd like to hear you. Yeah. You're really good to share the superintendent. I am, so I just wanted to chime in first. Um, so, so all this information that Dr. Hearn just presented to us, um, that's what we're going to go through on our own. So we got sort of our, our here and then we're going to go through our own individual data sheet and you can make whatever notes you want to make. She did her own self-assessment here, but then we each do our own independent assessment um, as far as looking at you know these ratings or looking at the rubrics over here. So this is an important document to have. You have it digitally and you have a hard copy here. Mm -hmm. um, and we have the clock that starts ticking now. So we have a little over a week, I'll call it. Um, it's like a week and a half, but but imagine a week because as you get in there, and it's, 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 really, like for a deadline, you start looking through it, and there's a lot of links. Like this isn't just like a 20 minute just like scan no. through and circle. So this is like get in there, you click all the links, you have to be you know very thoughtful and. Um, Anyways, it's a it's a fun and fascinating process, and again, I just I feel really uh, reinforced and um, vicariously proud, I guess, or, um, just to be going through and looking at all this amazing work, like bottled up in one place. And so it's like a fun experience for me, which is why I like to be the chair of this committee. Um, anyway, so so these need to be finished and go to D by June third. So um, if your handwriting is messy, that's okay. And um, a hard copy is preferred. You can scan it and email it to her or bring it in here or email it to her. Or I can come get it at your house if you want. We'll make it as easy as we can. <laughs> you got to get them all in. June 3rd. June 3rd. By June 3rd. Yes. Yes. June Any time before June 3rd. June 5th. June 3rd. Any time before June 3rd. And then I'll start to get a little midgy, a little shaggy. <laughs> Yeah, she really looks to hold yeah. this over her house. Yeah. Um, Camille, questions, comments? No questions. I'll follow up if I have any things. Dave Callahan? Yes, I just, uh, this is uh, Lisa. Just want to reiterate so, uh, hard copy preferred. June 3rd. Yeah, I close the business June 3rd. Graduation. Yeah, that's graduation. That's graduation date. So, June 2nd. Before the date. And uh, 2D. To Dean Miller, yeah. Okay. And she will keep them confidential until the subcommittee meets, and then we'll gather the hard copies and go through them in public meetings. Okay, terrific. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Alan. Yeah, Alan. Just a brief question. And you mentioned um, you know, communication is like, complicated and interesting during the pandemic. So, what, what would you say was the most important or effective communication strategy for the progress that was made in that regard? 
So I think that um, has less to do with me and more to do with Lily Rivera. Um, I think that that she is in the position because Anne Marie Tracy before uh, Lily did a tremendous job as well. Um, but that position is so critical. Um, it's increasingly um, being implemented in districts uh, to have a marketing communications person. Um, I meet with her uh, weekly. Uh, she meets with our central office team weekly uh, on the same day on Mondays and we kind of plan um, our communications. Um, and um, I think hands down, um, she's just an incredible uh, person and has done uh, tremendous work in her less than a year with us. Um, and she just, um, it, again, Amory was amazing too, um, but I really <coughs> um, want to give, uh, give credit to the marketing and communications coordinator position um, as just being very, very high leverage in terms of our communications. Um, and really synthesizing them. Um, and I think she's got a vision too in terms of where she'd like to take it um, as well. And uh, so that's the most effective. She's, she's great. Thank you. And uh, just one last question. Having just done uh, the self-assessment, what would you say is the most important goal for your success to keep in mind? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I, I might say the communication one too. I think we're still coming back from the pandemic. Um, we I, I've talked and thought a lot about students and student behavior, and there was a great Edutopia article that talked about students having experienced so-called broken belongings mm -hmm. and coming back to school um, and desperately craving those relationships, but not fully navigating them um, with, uh, with skills that they otherwise would have built in the intervening years. And um, I think in many ways, an interesting that kind of manifest uh, in a variety of ways. And I think that um, adults are the same. And so um, kind of engaging in an entry process of communication in terms of listening, it's a great opportunity to come in and listen and, um, and, and bring people together uh, around um, supporting the students. So I, I might say communication. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't have any questions right now, but I don't know if I made it clear that as you're reviewing all the information, if you have questions, just email Dr. Hernan. She can send you follow-up documents or whatever. June 2nd. Yeah. I put it in for June 1st. June 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> I finished mine. Can I give it? <laughs> Is it June 3rd midnight? No. no. She'll be at your house. <laughs> uh, no questions, thank you. Okay, great. We are all set with guests and presentations. Great. I'll return to your seat. After I log out. Contract with Mr. Lucas Chiguier as superintendent of Franklin Public Schools 
beginning July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2025. I will accept a motion at this time to approve the three-year contract with Mr. Gear as discussed. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Discussion, questions? I'll go down. Uh, Camille? No. No. Please? No. Megan? No questions. Okay. Seeing none, vote will come into motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Congratulations. Congratulations. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, next on the agenda is a policy for second reading and adoption. I recommend adoption of policy ADF, the wellness policy for uh, as discussed. Is there a motion to adopt policy ADF wellness policy as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, discussion, questions? No. All right, seeing none, vote will come in motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, um, so we have some, uh, speaking of returning to systems and things that existed pre-pandemic, we have uh, some trips um, for your consideration and hopefully approval. Um, the distinction that we make is that if it's a recurring trip, one that happens every year, we put it in the consent agenda. Uh, these other ones are um, not recurring, they're kind of new, new initiatives, mm -hmm. and we thank the people who put them forward. Um, so the first one is boys basketball trip. I recommend approval of the request of C.J. Neely, who their coach, uh, to take the boys basketball team to Orlando, Florida from December 26th through 30th, 2022 to participate in the 2022 KSA Events Basketball Tournament as detailed. Uh, this is over winter break and would not necessitate any school being missed. Is there a motion to approve the request of C.J. Neely to take the boys basketball team to Orlando, Florida from December 26th through December 30th, 2022 to participate in the 2022 KSA events as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, discussion, questions? I'm just going to look from now on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Seeing none, vote will come with a motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Great. Uh, the next trip is for uh, April vacation. I recommend approval of the request of Diane Poof to take students to Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida from April 15th to 19th, 2023 to perform as detailed. Okay. I recommend approval of the request of Diane Poof to take students to Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida from April 15th to April 19th, 2023 as detailed. So moved. Second. Uh, okay. Discussion, question. Okay. All right. Vote on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Okay. I think Diane can log off. I've been walking the things. <laughs> 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 um, and this last trip. Um, I know uh, Josh Hanna is actually in support of all of these. These don't come to you without his initial approval and then mine um, is a return to uh, more international travel as an educational experience. Um, we had two successful, two successful trips or one pre-pandemic. Um, I think it was one. Our second trip was planned during the oh, pandemic mm -hmm. and we had to, uh, we had to uh, cancel that. Um, but this trip uh, is coming to us um, related to Spain, a language-based trip. 
And I recommend approval of the request of Emily Chasen and Laura Keenan to take students to Malaga and Granada, Spain from April 14th through 22nd, 2023. April 14th is a Friday. Um, it is a early release day. Uh, and my anticipation is that this is probably a late night flight. Uh, typically, that's how EF would schedule it. It's not definite, not set in stone, but I think that any impact to a school day would actually be probably pretty limited. Uh, and so I recommend approval. Okay, is there a motion to approve the scheme trip as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Discussion, question? Yes, I see Ms. Keenan is on the call, and uh, I think you need another chaperone, and I'd be happy to volunteer. <laughs> I, I know. Now, Lauren's my friend. No. <laughs> we follow each other on Twitter. I'm already going to ask her. Uh, I've known her since my children were babies. All right, go ahead. <laughs> we play bingo with the old ladies. So old. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dave and uh, I just like to say, I think it's wonderful that we're having these opportunities for mm -hmm. our students. Um, and having lived abroad myself for a few years, it's so enriching and eye-opening when I'm able to go and just see other cultures. And it's fantastic that we allow um, our students this opportunity. So, yeah, that's fun. I'll report back when I get back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How's your Spanish? Donde esta biblioteca? I use Spanish right there. <laughs> I think the whole school committee should go as a chaperone. Okay. I agree. <laughs> um, all right, so seeing no more discussion questions, vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right, Laura, have fun. <laughs> Great. Um, and then uh, lastly, in the discussion action items um, is a proposed MASC resolution. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, is coming to you for formal consideration, for your consideration to send it for, I'm mangling this, for formal consideration by the 2022 Mass Association of School Committees Delegate Assembly in November. Um, and so I recommend that, do we need to read it? I was gonna, I have a whole, you wanna read it? I was gonna explain how the Delegate Assembly works. And okay, you want me to, okay. Yeah. I'll read this and then you can discuss after the motion. Uh, I recommend that the school committee adopt the proposed MASC resolution regarding sanctuary laws for trans students for formal consideration by the 2022 Massachusetts Association of School Committees Delegate Assembly in November as discussed. Is there a motion to approve the proposed MASC resolution as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to kind of briefly explain the process to our new colleagues or even to Elise because I don't do this question in our first term. Um, so Franklin is a member of the Massachusetts Association of School Committees. So every November we send a delegate to the MASC Delegate Assembly. The Delegate Assembly sets priorities for the organization for the year, which effectively means that every school committee in Massachusetts is together saying, this is something we believe is important and we would like your support on. Um, and it's powerful when it comes to things like working with our state legislators. If five school committees in Massachusetts in two regions pass the same language before the 1st of June, it automatically goes to the Delegate Assembly for consideration in November. So I've worked with some of our colleagues on other school committees to put together the attached language. I know many have been concerned by the bias and hate that is currently being put into laws for students who are transgender across the country. I can't fix the laws in other states. Um, however, I can advocate for better laws in my own. 
So what we've done here, we're advocating for Massachusetts to pass sanctuary laws following along with Connecticut, California, and 17 other states who uh, propose sanctuary laws as well. Essentially what this does is create a safe haven for students and their families who live in other states. So what is this resolution? What this resolution does is it shows the delegate assembly in November, which will have a representative from every school committee in the state that we would want this to be one of the priorities for what they advocate for at the state house in the coming year. Effectively, we're saying the protection of transgender, transgender children is so important that we believe the state should be putting this forward as a priority. So I wanted to go ahead and read the resolution so everyone knows what it is we're considering. The language is as follows. Whereas the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has a long history of standing for civil rights, including advocacy for a bill of rights in the US Constitution, and whereas Massachusetts codified gender identity as a protected class in the 2001 Act relative to gender identity, and whereas all children deserve a safe environment in which to grow up, whereas some state governments are now criminalizing supportive medical care for trans individuals, moving to bar families from traveling to access such care, and otherwise violating the civil rights of trans children and their families, and whereas the defense of the civil rights of the historically marginalized is contained within the first article of the Massachusetts Constitution right of seeking and obtaining their safety and happiness. Therefore, the Massachusetts Association of School Committees call on the great and general court to join with other states in the passage of so-called sanctuary laws to ensure such children and their families have the power of enjoying in safety and tranquility, their natural rights and the blessings of life is guaranteed by the Constitution of the Commonwealth. So once we have 10 other school districts that have <coughs> approved this, um, I know that there are several already have, it'll go automatically to our delegate assembly in November where all members of the school committee districts will vote to pass, vote on whether or not to pass it and to support it at the state level. Um, so I guess now that I've done my little spiel, um, are there any discussion questions from the committee before we? <coughs> no, just complete and utter full support. Okay. Yeah. Please. Uh, just complete full support too. <laughs> um, all right. So, seeing no more discussion questions, vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Thank you guys very much. Um, all right, discussion only items, Dr. Harden. I see none. Okay, information matters. Let's see. <coughs> Superintendent evaluation, Elise. I can repeat everything. I said June 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know if you need. I can just send you a text. June 2nd. Um, budget. Uh, budget has not met since um, you know, since last time, and uh, we don't have the meeting scheduled yet. However, uh, tomorrow, for those who cannot get enough of the school budget, uh, which I'm sure is many watching, um, the, we will be presenting our proposed budget at the, at the town council. So I'm sure everyone looks forward to that, and we look forward to seeing that. Perfect. Policy, Dave Callahan. Yeah, we. Um have not met since our last meeting. Uh, we have one on June 8th. That's five days after the superintendent evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have more updates at the next meeting. Wait, is it June 8th? June 8th. 
Okay. Uh, community relations. Our next meeting is Tuesday, May 31st, where we'll be discussing our upcoming social event, uh, Saturday, June 4th, from 1 to 3 p.m. You can find a few of us at Birchwood Bakery. Um, also, we will be hosting a booth, as we've done in the past, at the Strawberry Stroll, June 10th, being at 4 p.m. Please come visit us at both events, and we look forward to seeing you there. What are you laughing at? I'd like, like to please come visit please us. Please come visit yeah. us. We like, seeing, we like seeing people. I mean, they'll be there for the strawberry. I, the I can't wait to start a shortcake. <sighs> All right. Space needs and facilities. Al? Yes. Uh, so our next meeting is on June 6th. Um, we'll be talking about the action items from the previous meeting and reviewing the draft version of the presentation that will be on the 14th. Okay. Joint PCC? Yeah. Um, so the last meeting of the school year was yesterday. Um, we spoke about, uh, Mr. Jigger talked about the anti-bullying policy, and the PCC has provided us in the end of year update um, for what will happen. Uh, so things such as the uh, uh, field days, fifth grade um, events, uh, family gatherings, things of that nature, just to close out the year and really just have a, have a nice end to the school year. Uh, School Wellness Advisory Council, Elise? Uh, we don't have any more meetings for the rest of the year, but you can look for SPAC representatives at the Franklin Farmers Market this summer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Make that note. Um, CPAC. CPAC, our next meeting is Thursday, June 9th. Substance Abuse Task Force, Lucas? We haven't met since the, the last school committee meeting, but we're taking a break and um, there's no other update for that right now. Okay. Um, and DEI committee, our final meeting of the year is tomorrow, May 25th. I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right. Consent agenda, Dr. Hart. Okay. Do you want anything held for discussion? Just say hold. Right. No reason. I recommend approval of the minutes from the May 10th, 2022 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend approval of the budget transfers as detailed. I recommend acceptance of the following gifts, totaling $3,171.04 for Franklin High School, $2,524.66 from Shutterfly LLC for supplemental supplies, $64.38 from Ohio Pile Prince Inc. for supplemental supplies, $402 from Massachusetts Agriculture in the Classroom Inc. for supplemental supplies. $30 from Colleen Bond for in-house enrichment, and $150 from Paula Murano for scholarship. I recommend acceptance of two checks, totaling $905 from the Parmenter PCC for field trips as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $1,875 from the JFK PCC for field trips as detailed. And I recommend approval of the request of Brad Hendrickson for 66 second grade students to travel to Roger Williams Zoo in Providence, Rhode Island on May 31st, 2022, as detailed. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? So Any discussion, questions? All right, seeing none, vote come on the motion. All those in favor signify to say aye. Aye. Opposed? Business comments. Are there any citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on item 
not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's curfew. Um, just go ahead and raise your hand. students joining us to share their civics projects from eighth grade um, in the middle schools. So that is exciting. Um, we have the superintendent evaluation, you know, following that time frame. <laughs> and um, space needs presentation uh, coming from the space needs uh, subcommittee and um, also uh, a vote um, to present to you for consideration related to Davis Thayer and declaring it a surplus and turning it over to the town um, and the space needs presentation um, Al had referred to. Um, we had at one point talked about the Metro West Youth Risk Behavior Survey um, as well as the equity audit. I don't, um, the equity audit's not gonna be ready in time uh, to present, so that's gonna have to be deferred. And the um, Youth Risk Behavior Survey, um, we talked with uh, the chair and, and talked internally around waiting for the full report. Um, I think we, um, that way you have some of the actions kind of rolling into next year uh, in place, um, kind of ready for implementation. So uh, it was a pretty ambitious agenda, um, so trying to piece, a, piece some things out. So that's what you can expect at the next meeting. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so finally, we will be adjourning to executive session and not returning to a new meeting. Um, okay, so my favorite part, reading all this. Pursuant to Mass General Law, Chapter 30A, Section 21A3, to discuss strategy with respect to collective bargaining with the FPARN unit as an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on the bargaining position of the school committee, and the chair so declares. Pursuant to Mass General Law, Chapter 30A, Section 21A2, to discuss strategy in preparation for negotiations with non-union personnel. Is there a motion to adjourn into executive discussion as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, so uh, roll call vote. Neil? Yes. Dave Callahan? Yes. Al Charles? Yes. David Neal? Yes. Lane Stokes? Yes. Yes. Dave Spencer? Yes. All right, thank you everyone. See you again on June 14th. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark in Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.